Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your HUD counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're discussing chapters 10 through 12 of the Battle of the Labyrinth. So before we go into the content, I'd like to manifest something of a dream I had. Mm-hmm. Ever since we were like in middle school, I will off. I often would just come to school with like I have weird dreams. Like it's just like something I've always had very vivid weird dreams that I remember. Like literally, like yesterday, I texted Monica that I had a dream that she, Taylor Swift launched a Taylor or uh, launched a Target clothing line, and that Monica took all of the ones in my size, and I was kind of upset. To save you, apparently, from the fashion yeah. choices. It was a sparkly cardigan, and I would still buy it. It was really cute in my dream. Probably not. I thought it was cute, but it wasn't actually. Anyway, <laughs> I, like, a, like a week or two ago, I had a dream, and I like wrote a note about it. I was like, I need to talk about this on the podcast. So I had a dream that we, because we're Percy Jackson podcasters, got invited to the premiere of the Disney Plus show. And I want to manifest this. Like, I want this to happen. I love, first of all, that we are, like, the top tier of Percy Jackson content is the podcasters. I love that for us. And also, premiere for a TV show. Like, what is a red carpet for a TV show? See, the where, my, where it was clearly a dream was that the carpet was, like, the Nickelodeon orange and there was, like, <laughs> slime there. And so it was definitely, like, a Teen Choice Awards slash Disney Plus show. But I remember we were, like, there with, like, microphones, and we were, like, we're live. (laughs) And I want it to happen. I said it here first. It would be so cool, though. We could, like, dress fancy. On the orange carpet with On the orange carpet and interview, like, the 12-year-olds playing Percy (laughs) and Annabelle. And yell at them if they do anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, I really am nervous for, because pe- people reacted so poorly to the Stranger Things kids, like oh, following yeah. them around, like hypersexualizing them when they were like babies, and they're still babies, and I'm just like so worried that they're gonna, because like, most of the fandom is older for the Percy yeah. Jackson stuff, I'm just really worried they're gonna really try to like hyperfixate on these kids who are like well. gonna be 12. Hopefully they're 12. PSA to Percy Jackson fans that are, like, you know, over 18, we have to simp for the gods. We can't do it for the children. No. Our time is over. The children can be our children. Like, we can baby them and treat them in that way, but anything else is unacceptable. It's not cool. No. Yeah. That's, I'm, that's, um, I'll manifest that too. Us going to the premiere, obviously, and nobody sexualizing these children or bullying them for looking a certain way. Just don't. We can don't. bully the writers. That is our yes. God-given right. Yes, yes, we can bully them. No children <laughs> bullying no children. them. Not in my house. Not in my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give a quick summary of these three chapters, because somehow in the span of three chapters, we have two different dreams. We go through a game show. We go to Mount St. Helens. We have an iconic kiss scene and we meet Calypso. So, you know, buckle in. I'm ready. Chapter 10, we play the game show of death. 
I love that that that's the title because that happens at the very end and it's probably <laughs> shortest thing in this chapter. But anyway, <laughs> so the squad has decided to summon Bianca. So they wait until nighttime to summon her, which is like obviously the best time to summon a ghost, in my personal opinion. Nico yes. is chanting and pouring root beer into a pit like the creepy emo boy he's always meant to be. Unfortunately, and yet so predictably, Minos takes the offering meant for Bianca and starts becoming fully formed. He tries to convince Nico still that Percy is using him and trying to kill him, as well as trying to convince Percy that Daedalus is evil and a murderer, and like, why would he help you and all of this while he's like eating the food meant for Bianca. <laughs> and in his evil monologue, he lets it slip that he was the one who made Chris Rodriguez go mad, because he's like, I own the maze, and he feels like he can do anything he wants and control anyone. Nico kind of curbs him. He's like, okay, this is not important. Like, right now, I need you to just stop being evil. We have more important <laughs> things to focus on. So, at that moment, the ghost of Bianca appears. She addresses Percy first, which I think is a big asshole move, personally. But that's Honestly, fine. yeah. Nico's been trying so hard. I know. And that's the whole thing. She addresses Percy first, and he's like, Bianca, I'm so sorry. Like, I failed you. And she's like, Percy, it's not your fault. I made my own choices. Then she turns to her heartbroken, like, baby brother she abandoned, not once, but twice. And she's like, Nico, I had hoped you would try to give up, try to resurrect me. And it, I only showed up because clearly you were not giving up. And Nico's like, well, I wanted to talk to you. And I was like, oh, my God, like, why didn't she disappear the first time and say, Nico, stop it and then disappear yeah. like he would have saved so much. he wouldn't have been tricked by minnow so he's still going to by the way he wouldn't he would have yeah. probably forgiven percy pretty quickly he could have then processed his grief in maybe a healthier manner than buying a cloak from hot topic and eating a bunch of mcdonald's like burgers i don't know okay that's the healthiest way to process grief monica <laughs> buying a cloak mcdonald's from hot topic. and cloaks <laughs> and in cloaks. that order yes Put on the cloak, eat McDonald's, lets everyone know that you're in mourning. <laughs> <laughs> Bianca also reveals that the fatal flaw of the children of Hades is holding grudges, so therefore he needs to let it go. I'm just like, okay, you just pointed out that this is a flaw. It's clearly going to take a lot more work than that, Bianca. I like, I really will say I had sympathy for her when she died, and it sucked. But I kind of hate her again. I'm sorry. I know wow. that's controversial. But she just really kind of sucks again. As a ghost, she's somehow worse. And it's like, shut up. Like, your brother that's is kind grieving. Of, kind of a vibe, though. Like, if I became a ghost, I think I'd be worse, too. <laughs> for all the, your For the flair. All my... Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, she should have showed up to Nico so much earlier. And also talk to him first, not I Percy. <sighs> She's just basically like, you need to let your anger for Percy go because the truth is, she's like, now she's a therapist after she's like <laughs> caused him all of his trauma. It was like, the reason you're not actually angry with Percy, you're angry with me because I abandoned you by joining the hunters, then I abandoned you by dying in a Correct. junkyard. Yeah. And Bianca and Annabeth, by the way, who's like trying to pipe in and be helpful, implore Nico to focus on letting his sister go and turning his attention towards the rising power of Kronos. Obviously, Nico's like, that's the last thing I think of is Kronos. I'm thinking about how I'm sad and 11 and I bought this cloak for no reason. (laughs) 
And the meeting ends there. Like, Bianca disappears. She can't stay for very long because Nico's powers of summoning her have start attracting a lot of bad juju and, like, Kronos' energy, like, eyes, essentially. Like, Sauron's eye, like, you know how it turns mm. towards the ring. It's the same yeah. vibe in my head. Nice. So they decide that they need to go to sleep. So this is, we're going to start dream one of two. So oh. in this dream, Luke is walking through Mount Tam, which is much more built up than the last time Percy saw it, which was that winter. Luke is dressed for battle, and standing next to him is our favorite impusa, Kelly. They are meeting with the campy, who's pissed that her prisoner escaped and is awaiting orders to go get her revenge. Luke is like, can you kind of stay back in Alcatraz like I told you to? And she's like, no, I want, I want to get them back. Like, I deserve revenge. Luke then gives her permission to join them on their quest to carry Ariadne's string. Luke seems a little hesitant, almost remorseful about destroying Camp Half-Blood, but quickly shuts that down. He's like, no, actually, you know, Kelly points it out, and he's like, no, I'm not. I don't feel bad about it. I just want to get it over with. It's fine. He's like, I have the army I need. Now he just needs to negotiate safe passage through some arena. And like Percy's previous dream with Kelly, she notices him and attacks him and she shifts him to a different dream. In this dream, Percy is watching a much older Daedalus hunched over working in a different tower by the sea. A child around Nico's age, who's Daedalus's nephew, Paradix, bounces in claiming to have solved the problem Daedalus gave him. Paradix is a child and is clearly excited and very naive, while Daedalus is clearly bitter and old. The child proposes the idea that no man needs to die. By capturing the soul and placing it in a bronze uh, automaton, they can live forever in new bodies. Daedalus is like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I was also annoyed by how overeager and like full of life and vibrant this child is. Also, this child is really cross and kind of dumb. I mean, he's 11, so you know, you have to give him some leeway. But he's like, the king says that I'm actually smarter than you. Like, to his like hunched over, clearly turning evil uncle. And um, he's like, hey, I heard your son died because you weren't good enough. Like, in, not in like a very offensive way, but it still comes across super stupid. And Daedalus is like muttering in the background. He's like, you think I'm better than you? Like, you're better than me? And he has some sort of psychotic break. Mm-hmm. Um, the child is like, Paradox is playing with these beetles that he made and they fly when you throw them in the air. And Daedalus gets this evil look on his face and throws one of the beetles a little too far for Paradix to catch and Paradix falls out of the tower. But of course not before this horrifying lion-esque like Mufasa and Scar scene where Ooh. Paradix is holding onto the ledge and it's like, uncle, help me. And Daedalus is just like, oh, die child. And Paradix falls to his death. Athena, who is Daedalus's mother, apparently, like I remember he's a demigod, but for some reason I thought Hephaestus would be his father. No, it's Athena. It's- interesting it's interesting uh she shows up and she's clearly pissed she's like my kid just murdered a child and but you know in athena fashion was like very like monotone like that wasn't good daedalus because i also liked that child you know like Mm -hmm. that's the only reason why this should matter yeah if it was just some random kid athena wouldn't have cared no why Why would she care? Daedalus is like, well, I'm going to get my punishment in the underworld. And I'm, he's kind of hoping it. Like, he's wishing to go to hell to pay for his sins, etc. Et and Athena's like, no, you're going to pay now and forever. And the dream ends with Daedalus just, like, on the floor, writhing in agony. 
Grover wakes up Percy from his nightmare. He can't sleep himself, and he's miss- missing Juniper, which I was like, what do you mean you miss Juniper? You didn't even tell Percy she existed until, like, your literal trial. I mean, he is what, like, uh, how old in goat years? He's, like, 14. 15. I guess when you're, yeah. like, 14, 15, maybe it's, like, they've had one date, and he's like, I'm in love. <laughs> but wouldn't you tell your best friend? Yes. 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 I don't know. Especially I don't know. I have empathy link. Maybe this is, like, really... I don't think they're as good of friends as everyone thinks they are. I don't know. Like, I think they're good friends, but, like, they don't talk to each other about things. Boys should talk to each other about deep things. I do love the way that they made, like, Grover is a boy and he's very emotional and he understands yes, Percy's I love emotions. It. I do love that, but I do think that, like, anytime Percy tries to open up about his emotions, Grover is like, well, I'm sadder. Which mm-hmm. is a bit mm-hmm. problematic. Yeah. Love them both, though. Love them both, you know. Love them dearly. Hmm. I will continue to shit off Grover, but that's my God-given right, so it's fine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Grover also informs Percy that they have been away from camp for seven days, even though it only felt like two. Percy realizes Grover has missed his deadline for the Council of Elders, and so as soon as he returns to camp, he's going to lose his searcher's license. And there's, like, nothing they can do about it. That morning, Percy tries to convince Nico to join their squad, but Nico clearly needs some time to think. He's angry, but he doesn't really know who to direct his anger at anymore, and he just needs to go by himself. There's a whole scene where Yuritan essentially is like, let me help you guys. Uh, Hephaestus gave me a gift because I think he's the best person to go talk to about Daedalus, and... Um, he gave me this spider, and let me help you. It's a mechanical one. It'll help you go back to find the forge or whatever. And it's, I don't know. I, I, your time kind of grew on me because when I first read oh, him, yeah. I was like this weird cowboy, and I'm like, he's like a very sensitive, like cowboy, like overly, like masculine guy, and especially if he's the son of Ares, being like very sweet. Like he blushes when Annabeth is like, "You'd really give it to us." And I think that's very cute. Yuriton says, not all cowboys. <laughs> anyway, the spider part, I'm ignoring that. <laughs> the spider part um, scares Annabeth a little, but they say thank you and they run after it. And they have to go through like a giant ditch, which they cross via monkey bars. And then they get to a tunnel with a bunch of skeletons and a bunch of broken number two pencils. There's hmm. a sphinx waiting for them at the end of the hall. Tyson, who has PTSD from being attacked by a sphinx while he was living on the streets of New York, um, is having a bad time when he sees the sphinx, but Annabeth is ready. She's like, she knows what to do, she's read about this, and as she walks in, lights go off, and there seems to be a soundtrack audience that goes off when the sphinx welcomes them to her game show. Welcome, heroes, to the Labyrinth's greatest game show! There's like a spotlight. It's like, it's peak comedy. I really loved this idea. Annabeth is in the zone and she's like ready for the riddle. She knows what the answer is already too. Instead, the Sphinx throws math problems and fun facts at her, also gives her a scantron to fill out. And like the true child of Athena, Annabeth is answering these questions with ease, but she's mad about it. And then she refuses to participate because they don't fit the theme of a riddle. Like we've had a lot of conversations today about Annabeth being a cancer 
Mm-hmm. But she's such a Virgo in this moment. I was like, Thank this is you. the most Virgo thing I have ever heard. Thank you. Thank you. I, I agree. Well, you're like, well, the de- you said riddle. And the definition of a riddle means X, Y, and Z. These are facts. This does not fit a riddle, and therefore I will not answer. And Percy's losing his mind because he's like, Percy's like, answer them, please. I love, I love Percy being here. Just like, what are you doing? And Annabeth's like, this is ridiculous and it's an insult to my intelligence i am a daughter of athena like blah 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 <laughs> percy's like why are you like this you know the capitals you know everything just answer the questions 20 questions we leave but like percy's kind of in love with it at the oh, same yeah. time <laughs> it's like the most virgo and also the most annabeth thing that he oh like, so ever. good it's also so very good. you, by the way. Thank you. I was you. reading it and I was like, oh god, this would be Aaron. Every time I read this, I like laugh really hard because I know, especially me at this age, <laughs> like 15, whatever, 15, 14 year old Aaron, <laughs> such a little twerp. <laughs> but, um, this doesn't follow the rules and the definition, so I don't even want to play anymore. Like, I'll answer them, but like, I just want you to know that this is like not a riddle. <laughs> She's like, riddles are supposed to make you think. These are just facts. And the Sphinx is like, if you don't participate, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> and then she attacks them because Annabeth is refusing to participate. She's going after Annabeth and Tyson, who is terrified, throws himself at the monster. Percy is like really touched that Tyson would do this. And it's very cute because especially seeing as Annabeth was like kind of racist towards him in the second book. Yeah. And Tyson's just like, anyone who touches Annabeth is, like, problematic in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Percy tells Annabeth to turn invisible since the monster is technically only after her. And then Percy attacks with his sword. And Grover, for the first time, is truly useful. He plays his, <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> in an attack. Like, sometimes he'll play his repipes and, like, distract security. What about the confusion song? Yeah. yeah. What would some security officers really do in the situation compared to, like, the lion, you know? <laughs> like, focus yeah. on maybe the lion instead of some, some... I mean, he can only do the small things. But here, he was able to play his reed pipes, and the wooden pencils kind of start apparently remembering that they used to be a tree. So they start becoming a tree, and it's enclosing the sphinx. It's not enough to, like, actually trap her there, but it gives them enough time to escape. I love that Grover's, like, leveled up his reed pipe skills. He's like, I learned level four magic. It comes with a book, and now they have notes instead of numbers. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to say, the only thing I didn't really talk about is I can talk about demigod dreams all day. I think it's such an interesting plot device. It was very clever of him to think Mm -hmm. of it, because he's like, how can I tell stories, like mythological stories, that Percy will not know, because Percy's an idiot, and the children probably mm-hmm. won't know who are reading this and make it interesting. So dreams are a great way. I really want a story of a demigod who's able to control these dreams. I think that would make them very powerful. Can't the the kids of the sleeping god, Hypnos, they should be, they would be in able theory, to, right? Yeah, but they're just like not important enough to be included in these stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> so that was a long one. Yeah, I love it as a plot yeah. device. That was a long one. I kind of, like, tried to remember things off of the top of my head, too, which was a little problematic. But there we go. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, we will move on to my chapter, 
Chapter 11, I Set Myself on Fire. Arguably, maybe one of my favorite chapters in this book. So the gang heads into Hephaestus's fortress. It's a giant mechanics garage with cars, Greek war chariots, metal lions, and more. Basically, it's an engineer's dream playground. Posse. Posse! Posse! <laughs> Percy! Oh no, I'm already calling him the wrong name. At least it's not Perky this time. <laughs> Percy spots a man's legs underneath the car. It's Hephaestus. We've seen him before on Olympus, but never in his true element. He's smothered in oil and grime. He's wearing a jumpsuit. His head is misshapen. And his black beard is slightly on fire. Annabeth tells Hephaestus that they're seeking Daedalus, to which Hephaestus like immediately gets angry and, and like mutters to himself that Daedalus is an old scoundrel <laughs> and says that they're wasting their time trying to find him. And then he just kind of turns to Tyson and apparently he just like can really read the energy of Cyclops. He vibes with them and he's immediately like, Tyson, something is wrong. You have something to tell me. And Tyson tells Hephaestus about the hundred-handed one, Briars, and how he kind of sucked and disappointed Tyson. And Hephaestus is like, yes, even gods and monsters change. Look at my mother Hera. And then talks about how despite claiming that she's all about family, she ended up throwing him off Olympus because he was ugly. Which just immediately in my head makes me think of, once upon a time, there was an ugly barnacle. <laughs> he was so ugly that everyone died. The end. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's Spongebob. <laughs> that's an yet another Spongebob reference on this podcast. I'd like to think that we're, like, educating the youth who, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe they didn't grow up with Spongebob in the same capacity that we did. I don't think anybody grew up with Spongebob in the same capacity, especially with our friend group. Yeah, like, we, we... Spongebob was... was intrinsic <laughs> it's like constantly all of the memes we send the group chat like it's constantly an option like it's just there everyone understands it you mm -hmm. know any reference and to be a listener to this podcast now um you also have to witness these references <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> um and then Hephaestus is basically like to Tyson trust nobody only yourself people suck and Percy thinks to himself that this sounds like a sad life which, again, because Percy's fatal flaw is loyalty, and he, like, loves having his little pals, and Hephaestus is like, loyalty sucks. Hephaestus then tells them that if they really want to help, they really want help finding Daedalus, they need to do him a big favor, and, like, a, a big favor, because he really doesn't want to tell them where Daedalus is. He wants them to go into Mount St. Helens, which is a forge that used to be his favorite. It is located here in Washington State, woo-woo-woo-woo, West Coast, Best Coast. Ba -ba -ba <laughs> but it's it's where Typhon is trapped and has been trapped, but he's been stirring with the Titan Rebellion. And Hephaestus has sensed intruders in his forge, and he wants them to go investigate and tell them what it is. And I'm like, why can't he go himself? That's kind of lame. He says because every time he shows up, they disappear because he's a god. They can sense him coming from. Oh him. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I definitely just like did not write that down. Well, I mean, there's a lot yeah. going on. There's a lot going on yeah. here. Well, here I went on a little Mount St. Helens explosion deep dive. It erupted March 27th, 1980. Fun fact, my dad always talks about how he saw it happen from the highway because he was, like, driving south or, like, in a car. I don't know how old he, he would have been, like, like 17 then. So, like, did I just exposed my dad's age. Sorry, dad. 
don't think you listen to this. <laughs> he likes all of our posts, though. He does. He participates in the lightning bolt question polls. <laughs> I love, love to see the opinions. But anyway, he said that he saw it, like, on the highway, the, like, plume and all the sky turned dark. Anyway, it was caused by a bunch of smaller earthquakes. Ash was deposited into 11 different states and two Canadian provinces. 56 people were killed, and the sky was all ashy. It's very exciting. Won't be as bad as when the big one happens oh and God. Rainier blows. I'm, I'm, the more I talk about it, like, I think the less likely it is to happen because, like, I never talked about the, the possibility of a pandemic and then it happened. So I think that if I it's just talk a lot. It's all in your hands. Yeah, I think I actually caused the pandemic because I didn't foresee it coming, you know? <laughs> you didn't prepare. Erin, do you have anxiety? I don't know. Maybe. Do I? <laughs> I do, however, this is why I went into the deep dive, because I wonder how this fits into the canon of Typhon living here, like, because 1980, he wasn't stirring, the plot, the, this plot is not taking place until, what, like, 2010 or something? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, or was Hephaestus, did he just, like, really screw up a project at his forge? I think that's my headcanon. I think that makes more sense, and then Typhon yeah. just kind of, like, maybe, like, opened one eye, but had no motivation to get up, because Kronos wasn't awake yet. Yeah. Ugh, I love volcano. Okay, I don't, like, love what volcanoes do. It's, like, quite- it can be quite awful. But I, like, sometimes just watch videos of volcanoes exploding. I mean, it's so powerful. It's, like, a weird fascination I have, yeah. It's just- I kind of, like- I like when I watch Earth, like, fight back against us a little bit, you know? So you were the cause of the pandemic. Yeah, and no- well- <laughs> and um heroes of olympus am i on team gaia maybe <laughs> i mean to be anyway. fair i also would be tired of us so yeah if i was the earth i'd be like get these little pests these parasites off of me that's all we are <laughs> but you know humanity can be beautiful and has capacity for beauty it's fine mm -hmm. hephaestus <laughs> then sends one of his little spider dudes to show them the way to the forge and they're off but, like, almost immediately after a bit of traveling, Grover senses something. It's Pan! A magical tunnel that smells like plants and dirt has opened up, and Grover is afraid that it will disappear. He's like, if I don't follow it now, it's I'm not going to be able to find it again. This labyrinth is awful and changes, hence it's a labyrinth, you know. The gang has to split up, so Tyson actually volunteers to go with Grover because I don't really know why. Because he can smell, too? I don't know. He just does. Yeah. I don't know, maybe he's trying to exposure therapy with the goat. No, he's afraid of goat boy. He's gonna get over it. This is like bond them closer if they find Grover's yeah. one passion in life together. Yeah, yeah. it's very nice. And, and Percy's like, yeah, like let's split up. Me and Annabeth will go to the forge. You guys go find Pan. This is really important. Like also not only for Grover, but also like it is important to find Pan. Yeah. You know? And like, Tyson's like, oh. maybe you guys should be alone for a little while. Yeah, Tyson's really just trying to get Annabeth and Percy to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a funny moment as Annabeth and Percy are heading into the forge where Percy is like, because earlier Hephaestus, when he learned that Athena was Annabeth's mom, made a comment about like shame she never married and is a maiden goddess, which is a little creepy of him. Does Hephaestus yeah. have a thing for Athena? I maybe. kind of would make sense. They would be yeah. awful together, but, like, in they a great would. way for each other. They'd build really cool stuff. Yeah. That'd be cool. So Percy asks, like, what did Hephaestus mean when he said Aunt Athena is a maiden goddess? Like, how did you, uh, 
come into existence. And Annabeth is like, oh, Athena was born from Zeus's head and wasn't born the normal boy way, so I wasn't born the normal way. And she tells Percy that she too was a brainchild, which is very strange. And Percy's very confused, and Annabeth is like, do you really want to know the details of my birth? And he's like, yes. no, not really. <laughs> I, I know, and I'm like, so yes. badly. Like, what is the biology behind this? Was it like a conversation that... Athena and Annabeth's dad had together, and then because they were like, hey, what would our child be like? And Annabeth, I mean, Athena's just like, oops, made one. Yeah, I, I wrote this in my notes, and I'm like, I have so many, like, if I was Percy, I would have been like, no, 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 we're not going into the forges, you are going to explain this to me. Because did Athena just, like, show up the day after a nice, like, intellectual dinner j- date with Mr. Chase and was like, here is our child. Mm. Like, no wonder he wasn't prepared to be a parent and kind of sucked for the first part of Annabeth's life. Like, I'd be a little overwhelmed, too. Was there like, a I'm gestation period? Was there a period where he knew that it was coming? Or was it just, like, sprang from the head? Like, Well, Athena just sprang from Zeus's head. But if she sprang from the male's head, did Annabeth spring from Mr. Chase's head? But that wouldn't work because he's not the god. Yeah, and he's yeah. still alive. His head didn't explode. <laughs> oh my god, what if it's like a Black Widow kind of thing, where like in order for oh. Athena to have children, the, the male equivalent has to ex- literally explode. I'm into that. Right? <laughs> it fits the vibe of Athena and spiders, too. Yeah, it's kind of like full circle with the spider fear. Yeah, yeah. New (laughs) headcanon. Mr. Chase isn't real. (laughs) He exploded in childbirth. (laughs) So so many questions. And clearly Rick doesn't have the answers because he doesn't provide them. And he doesn't think children will care. Well, I think it was because he had to make Artemis not have children, right? Because she's the maiden goddess. But then then Athena falls into that trap too. So quickly to explain it, he just gives a stupid explanation and moves on. Yep. And he also, you know, when he was writing this fourth book, he probably didn't foresee that there would be like 20-something-year-olds discussing (laughs) it on a podcast. He so should have, though. It's okay. Gotta he really should have. Yeah. Yeah, anything I write, I'm like, one day <laughs> there will be a fandom. <laughs> so they make it to the forge, and Annabeth turns invisible to go spy while Percy hides. Percy overhears some voices and scrambles to hide in a cart, which happens to be the exact cart that the voices are walking towards. And he's pushed into a room where a voice instructs, Younglings, please attend to the film. And basically, these monsters are watching, like, a puberty video. (laughs) Like, it says, like, changes happen in the monster's body. You may notice your fangs getting longer, blah, 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 blah. I like the, I like the sudden desire to devour human beings. (laughs) That's fun. Mm. It's, it's a little weird, but it's funny. Percy learns that these monsters are called Telkines. Telkines. Telkines? Telkines. Talkine sounds coolest, but it's probably wrong. <laughs> but anyway, they want they're a monster that wants revenge against Zeus since he cast them into Tartarus for using magic. The monsters move to the cart to open it up, and Percy is faced with, with them, the Telkines. The telephones. <laughs> <laughs> they're basically dogs with the bodies of sea mammals. They have a Doberman face and a sea lion body. So it's your sea dog, Monisa, all grown up. Yours was a sea puppy. This is what you created. I don't like Look it. Look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Aw, it's ugly. <laughs> so ugly that everyone died. 
Percy then makes a break for it as these angry sea dogs are facing him. Maybe I'll just call them the sea dogs just instead of the, the telephones, the telkins, <laughs> the telekinesis. <laughs> telekinesis. So Percy just kind of like sprints out of there, slams the door to the room shut, and tries to find Annabeth. And he starts, my favorite is he's like, uh, Annabeth, and starts like yelling her name, and she's like right there, invisible, and she's like, "What? Are, why are you yelling? Shut up! Like they're gonna find us." And so Percy tells Annabeth what he saw, and Annabeth tells Percy that she found out that they're making some advanced weapons and practicing some kind of dark magic. Before they can discuss any more, the door explodes, and the young sea dogs mm. pour out. Percy tells Annabeth to put her cap on and get out. And that he's going to distract them and find his own way out so he can tell, so she can go and tell Hephaestus what's been happening. I'm going to read this part from the page because it's beautiful. Okay. Put your cap back on, I said. Get out. What? Annabeth shrieked. No, I'm not leaving you. I've got a plan. I'll distract them. You can use the metal spider. Maybe it'll lead you back to Hephaestus. You have to tell them what's going on. But you'll be killed. I'll be fine. Besides, we've got no choice. Annabeth glared at me like she was going to punch me, and then she did something that surprised me even more. She kissed me. Be careful, seaweed brain. She put on her hat and vanished. Ah! <laughs> I remember this being such a big deal, and rereading it, I was so mad, because it's literally a half a line. I know! I know! It's so quick! Like I love it, though! If you're reading it, you might have even missed it. Like, the first time, you were like, okay, and then she kissed me, and then, what? She did, what now? <laughs> it's great. I do love that that surprises him even more than being punched. Well, yeah, to be fair, he kind of deser has deserved all the punches he's gotten, so this is what he was expecting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And... He says after, he's like, I would have sat there for the rest of the day staring at the lava and trying to remember what my name was, but the sea demons jarred me back to reality, which is just adorable. Is that what did you just send me kid? a photo of? What did you just send me a photo of? What is that? I'm sorry. We're interrupting this, this Percy Jackson kiss for a strange photo that Monison just texted to me. Those are the telekines. Where is this from? The Class of Titans wiki? I don't know what that is. Is that I don't a either. TV show? Maybe. I'll put them on the- I'll post this on the- <laughs> on the Instagram when this episode comes out. I'll save this- this beautiful photo. They're, um... They're something. They look- the, the animation, like, artwork feels They're like wearing the cloaks. 80s. They are. They are they grieving? Naked. Are they grieving like Nico? <laughs> They've got hands. I thought they were supposed to be seals. They have like I did fingers. too. Maybe this is just this imagining of them. I don't know. The other ones have abs, so I chose the God. one without abs. <laughs> I love the Greek drawings of like how people try to take these weird Greek things where they're like, it's a dog and a sea lion, and they try to draw it, and every time it just looks weird. <laughs> the options are just not good. No. They're not. So I don't want this anymore. Like, I think your choice of a dolphin, like, keeping it simple, was the best No, idea. I didn't make a... No, I made a sea bear, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you send me another one? Oh, they do have abs. Wow. It's like very sexual looking. It's wow. It's a bit much for me. It's a bit much. I yeah. prefer my minotaur. I like the <laughs> ones with the cloaks. <laughs> I do, too. Because, they you know, like they're monks. really... <laughs> It means they're going through something, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. More official morning outfit. Yes. Yep. Sorry. Back to the important stuff. Speaking of of your sea dog telekinesis is they um start throwing lava at Percy and Percy uh doesn't have a plan. <laughs> despite telling Annabeth he did. She leaves and he's like, I don't have a plan and also I like am just love struck right now and can't move. <laughs> but they're throwing lava at him, so he's like, I guess I should do something. Percy recalls the river naiad um, from when he, you know, cleaned out the poop ranch and how she told him that the water is always within him. So he focuses on the sea and feels that same tugging sensation in his gut that he felt back at the poop ranch. Which I will say, the sea is not close to Mount St. Helens. No. Mount St. Helens is very inland. So that's a big... He did a lot there. Also, like, to reach all the way to the sea when I'm... I think there's, like, a couple of very nice lakes nearby. <laughs> like, he could have That's true. used the lakes. Like, he had to go all the way That's to the so coast. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Is it because he can't... Is oh, it, but salt water. Yeah, right? he specifically needs salt water, right? Like, he's more powerful in salt water. Not necessarily... Yeah, I think he's more powerful because I think he's used to, like, normal water Yeah, before. he's used that creek in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he lets loose what he describes as a horrible scream of the power of the ocean. The power within. (laughs) I'm so sorry. A tidal wave explodes and scoops him up, blasts him into the air from the volcano, and sends him sailing over the sea. And that is how that chapter ends. And I think I went over a lot of my notes. My one note is that I'm like, those type, the now or never kisses are my weakness. Like forced feelings confessions on the verge of death or like being separated or like after being on the verge of death when they're like, I thought you were dead. I thought you were going to die. That's the trope I will like die for. I know exactly what you mean. The third Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh. Iconic. When they get married uh, while they're battling and... Oh, that kiss. They can't kiss each other because oh. they're fighting, and they kiss Will Turner and Elizabeth Swann. Oh, peak romance. Not okay, we'll I forgot about. about, that's one of my, I think that Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley were, like, my sexual awakening, and, like, I felt something watching those movies <laughs> that I didn't understand, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when she wears that gold, when she becomes the king, and she wears that gold cloak. Oh, like then, I love a, f- a good feelings confession when they're about to die and then they don't die and it's like kind of funny. Yeah. Like even like Star Wars when Han Solo gets frozen and she's like, I love you. And he says, I know, like I an know. asshole. <laughs> like such an asshole. So great. So Harrison Ford. So Harrison Ford. It's great. So I love this kiss because it, it's a nice like, you're about to die, I'm going to kiss you. I wish there was a little bit more, but I also appreciate that there isn't. And also the fact that Mm. they obviously don't really touch base on this again until the next book. They should. They really should. Percy, like, brings it up as a joke, I think, in the fifth book, and we'll get to that. And then Annabeth just kind of, like, brushes it off because they're in the middle of a battle. Yeah, she's like, haha, yeah, okay. okay. (laughs) Um, Incredible. There was, I think you posted it, or I saw it somehow, where there's the, someone else was like, they should have put the kiss where Annabeth and Percy are, like, fighting in the third book. I did retweet that tweet, yes. Where they're, no, it's in the fifth, it's in the fifth book. No, it's in the, isn't it the third book? Where she, like, randomly gets, like, in his face. and That's the fifth one. Because she's mad at him because he didn't do anything after the kiss. Oh, yeah, because she calls him a coward. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. Oh, that would have been a great... 
I mean, not on the verge of death, so, like, not yeah. top, not God tier, but, but... still angry and, like, in each other. I think that would have been... It would have been nice. That's another good trope. Yeah. Mm. I'm, like, pretty sure it's the third... We'll figure this out later. I'm no, it's sure definitely the, the fifth. Where, like, it's after she sees him... Wait, no. I guess it would have been no. this one. It's the fifth, and I'll bet my life on it. Ooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, maybe not, but... <laughs> Okay, do I go, and now we can be going into completely, immediately into a completely different direction. Yeah, yeah. it kind of dampens the nice romance that we got there, not gonna lie. Okay, chapter 12, I take a permanent vacation. So, we're about to get into it. So, Percy wakes up to blue sky and feeling like he's dying. He tries to sit up but is unable to. A girl pushes him back down and begins to care for him with a cool compress and nectar. Percy describes her as having almond eyes and caramel-colored hair braided over one shoulder. He tries to guess her age, around 15 or 16, but it's actually pretty difficult to tell. We never get an answer on that, so that's cool. She introduces herself as Calypso, and then Percy passes out again. Nice. He wakes up this time in a beautiful cave on a fluffy feather bed. The cave is filled with a loom, harp, and a bunch of herbs. There's even a fireplace built into the cave wall and a bunch of colorful geodes in the ceiling, lighting the whole place up. Percy looks at himself and is surprisingly not scarred at all. He's like completely scar-free from all of his... Um, <laughs> <laughs> even though he like essentially was like had lava thrown at him and he's now wearing an all cotton outfit like peak quarantine cozy outfit <laughs> and when he looks at himself in the reflective surface it looks like he's almost lost about 20 pounds so you'll have to let me know if it's 20 pounds in your books because it says 10 kg in my british book and i'm like well that's about see. 20 pounds i'll pause here where mm-hmm. i try to find that yeah it does say 20 pounds good calculation nice thank you um his hair is singed and growing everywhere kind of looks like a rat's nest he makes a comment that he's like if i had seen myself on the street i would have locked the car and i'm like percy really hates homeless people personally yo what the heck (laughs) percy calm down he lives in new york like come on yeah yeah he walks out into a green meadow and a huge flower garden fountains and just like Honestly, it's paradise. Percy realizes this water lapping onto the shore is lake because it can't be the ocean because it's not salt. And he can sense that, which is, you know, whatever. Kind of weird. Odd party trick, Percy. (laughs) Percy sees Calypso at the beach talking to a shimmering person, but when Percy gets to her, she's alone. He's suspicious of her, obviously, because he doesn't trust anyone. He's like, this is paradise, and I've had bad times in paradise. She knows his name because apparently he talks in his sleep, which is odd because why would he talk about his own name in his sleep? Percy talks in third person in his sleep. <laughs> How horrible. And with should dump him immediately. <laughs> but I also think, like, she's like, who immediately is like, by the way, who is Annabeth? You talked about her a lot, which I think is very, very cute. Anyway, Calypso is openly physically affectionate to him, mostly because she's gotten used to caring for him. So she's like, there's, for her, there's no body restriction and he's like why are you touching me like that way she just kind of explains to him that he just fell from the sky and landed here she explains that they are on ojiagia what ojiagia ojiagia she says how to pronounce it at one point 
She does? That's the she, only reason I no, know No, she why. says it, how to pronounce it in, to Leo. She doesn't say it to Percy. Oh. Yeah. Because Leo's being annoying. And he's being like me. And he's like, oh, ga, 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 or whatever. Oh, ga, 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 ga. Ojijia. Very interesting. Okay. So she explains they're on Ojijia, Phantom Island, where time is kind of hard and it's impossible to get to so he can heal here safely. Percy basically passes out and Calista has to carry him back. She's like, she's really buff, dude. Like, she carried me all the way back to the cave. And he rests. When he wakes up, it's night and Calypso is gardening. So Percy joins her. He mentioned that he thinks, he, like, that he mentions, you know, to us, that he thinks she's one of the most beautiful people he's ever seen. He, he's enamored by her. He's like, I've seen Aphrodite and nothing compares. Like, Calypso is so much prettier than Aphrodite because she doesn't even try. She's not like other girls. <laughs> she doesn't wear makeup. Yeah, she just like wakes up like this. Beautiful. I'm like, yeah, she's the <laughs> goddess. Shut up. Anyway. <laughs> Percy mentions that his mother has always wanted a garden, but living in New York, they can't really have one. And all of this is lost on Calypso. She's like, I don't know what any of those words mean. <laughs> she reveals that her father is Atlas, and therefore she has been banished to the island by Zeus, and just in case she decides to rise up against the gods later. Calypso then gets upset when Percy asks if she wants him to leave. Because he, yeah, she's like, hey, are you staying here long? And Percy's like, oh, do you want me to leave? And Calypso's like, bursts into tears and runs away. Aww. Which Percy's like, I don't really understand what just happened. <laughs> Time does pass weirdly and Percy stays so he can heal. He's internally conflicted. The sense of urgency to get off the island and help his friends is constantly on his mind. Like He can't stop thinking about Annabeth particularly even when he looks up at the constellation he's like annabeth has taught me these stars annabeth would like these stars like he can't stop thinking about her but he's also really at peace on this island and he has this like sensation that he can't leave and he also has a mad crush on snow white cottagecore calypso (laughs) like seriously like all she does is like sing to birds and shit and you're so right he's just like wow that is the greatest thing i've ever seen i'm like you've known her for two minutes calm down and every time Calypso kind of makes eye contact with Percy, she gets really sad and looks away. And Percy's like, what do they do? Am I ugly? <laughs> <laughs> Calypso further explains that she's cursed to be stuck on this island forever. She did, in fact, support Atlas in the first war. He was her father, and she's like, it's super problematic, and it's a bit of a generalization to say all titans are evil. And it's also a silly thing to say, because, like, don't you support your dad, even though he's problematic, because he's your dad? And Percy's like, oh no, <laughs> all of my foundations have become shaky immediately. A pretty girl is telling me new things. Usually it's just Annabeth. <laughs> Percy is asking her why she doesn't have friends, essentially. He's like, where are your buddies? When Hephaestus appears on the island, he tells Percy that Annabeth is okay, but worried sick about Percy. Hephaestus hasn't told her yet that Percy is alive and okay, because apparently it's not his place, which I was like, sure, you could like hmm. make her less anxious, but that's fine. Hephaestus wanted to make sure Percy was indeed coming back before telling everyone he was alive and where he was. I'm like, so if he said, no, I'm not coming back, Hephaestus would just be like, yeah, he died, sorry, and it's Annabeth's (laughs) fault. (laughs) He also shows Percy the huge explosion that Percy caused on Mount St. Helens and the fact that the explosion even caused Typhon to stir in his sleep. Percy doesn't believe he's powerful enough powerful enough to have done all of this and release essentially release typhon but hephaestus reminds him that poseidon has also has earthquake powers like he's the earth shaker and percy doesn't know his own strength percy's racked with guilt because he's like 
I did all of that. People were injured. A lot of people had to evacuate. I may have released this horrible, very scary, you know, god creature, and he's very scared of his own powers. Hephaestus hints that maybe Aphrodite had a hand in Percy landing on the island, but he doesn't know. He then, without giving his own opinion or advice on leaving or staying on the island, tells tells Percy that if he chooses to rejoin the quest, Hephaestus will give him a way to get to Daedalus. He says it actually has nothing to do with Ariadne's strength. That will work, and that's what Luke's army is after, but the best is to use a regular mortal who can see. Percy finally catches on and knows what he needs to do. Hephaestus is a bit soft on Daedalus when Percy mentions the murdering and all of that stuff. Percy's like, can we even trust Daedalus? Like, he murdered his own nephew. And Hephaestus is like, don't judge a book by its cover. Even though earlier he was like that scoundrel (laughs) or Daedalus. He was like, it's hard to be a, a genius creator. You know, it's miserable and you're isolated and... You know, Daedalus was grieving, and I'm like, oh, you know, all good points. It's still murder, my dude, but okay. Yeah. I wonder if he was wearing a cloak. Yeah. He was grieving. Yeah. The kids should have seen that as a red flag. It's a black yeah. cloak. Yeah. Oh, yeah, red flag right there. But Hephaestus can't really give him an answer whether Daedalus will actually help him or not. Calypso comes to Percy after Hephaestus left. Leave, left, leaves, and hesitantly offers him to stay. He would be immortal on her island, and he could escape the prophecy. Which I was just like, what is it with these... I'm like, this is what exactly what Talia did. She just played hot potato with the prophecy, and was just like, mm-hmm. I'm done with it. If Percy chooses not to, like, chooses to stay, he's basically hot potatoing this p- prophecy to Nico, who is still, yep. like, you know, wearing his cloak and grieving. <laughs> yep. Will be a bad prophecy child. But anyway, Calypso explains that her curse is her specifically her curse is that every thousand years or so the gods send her a companion who is someone who can never stay, but someone she can't help but fall in love with. And Percy has had too much female attention in the last like twenty four hours, so his brain essentially explodes. He's like, "What do you mean you're in love with me?" And she's like, "How could I not be?" And I'm like, "Oh, honey, this Yikes. is like the second boy you've seen in like a thousand years. Like, of course you think he's the best of the best." <laughs> like, I True. too would fall in love with Percy, but not not under these circumstances. Mm-hmm. Percy is extremely tempted to stay with Calypso to be free and live a very pleasant life, and he kind of imagines that life he would lead, but he knows he can't. Like, his friends need him. His fatal flaw is also, you know loyalty so obviously he's not going to abandon them and he needs to go back calypso tucks a flower in his t-shirt pocket gives him a forehead kiss before a small raft appears to take percy back calypso says that once percy leaves he will never be able to find her again and asks him to plant a garden in manhattan for her percy sails away realizing calypso would haunt him for the rest of his life as his biggest what if all right i have some thoughts are you ready yes so imagine, I'm just like, I was started thinking about this. Imagine knowing what we know now, like you and I obviously have read the fifth book, um, knowing what we know now and also the fact that maybe like Luke in a similar way as Percy around this time was kind of like yeeted over to this island and he met Calypso who loves him and um, he was offered to stay on the island forever and escape do you think he would? 
Honestly, yeah. Right? He, I think he totally would, yeah. Because all he's really looking for in this is, like, family. I mean, I guess he's looking for power or whatever, but, like, I don't know. But I feel kind of like he got too deep. Like, by the yeah. second or third book, he's realized he's in too deep. And now he tra- he's, like, stuck because he's dug himself his own grave. So if he was given the opportunity to escape, and he doesn't really have the same loyalty drive as Percy, obviously... Mm-hmm. He could mm-hmm. easily just be like, you know what? I've changed my mind. Yeah, like yeah. I'm just gonna hang here. Yeah, and this we girl good. clearly like he just wants adoration and love, so he's gonna get that from Calypso. Dang it! Don't make me like feel bad for Luke. I mean, get that away from me. <laughs> I mean, like he's allowed to have regrets and stuff, but he's still a horrible person. Like, he, if he had regrets, True. he should have done something about it. I mean, yes, does, but whatever. That's not important enough. Well, I have rants about that when we get to the fifth book. Oh, yes. We'll have plenty of it. I think it's also important that even though Calypso is healing him and saving him, Annabeth has mentioned, like, every other paragraph. Like, Percy can literally not stop thinking about her. And I think that's important because... Incredible. It's very easy for you to be like, oh, Percy immediately could, like, be like, oh, Calypso's the one. But it's not true. He's just tempted more by the idea of Calypso and what she's offering rather than (laughs) her herself. Like, she's hot. Like, Percy's, like, not denying Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, he's not in love with her. He's just like, he likes the idea of her. So him leaving, choosing to leave is not a crazy idea. Yeah, he's more in love with the idea of like not having to deal with the prophecy anymore. Yeah, which is totally her. fair. It's valid. Yeah, um, but if he had chosen to stay, I think that would have sucked. Because who mm-hmm. does he know he likes her or loves her? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know the myth? Like, do you know Calypso in the Odyssey at all? I mean, yes. Doesn't she, like, have a lot of sex with Odysseus? Yeah, so the it, yeah. the way that she's painted in the Odyssey is... So for her, Calypso literally means concealing knowledge in ancient Greek. Mm, and okay. the idea is um, Odysseus lands on her island and she forces him... She, like, the idea is that he's held captive by her. Right, and she's, yeah forces him to stay for seven years on her and he keeps trying to run back to Penelope Mm -hmm. but like obviously they're like having sex and like she's seducing him with her womanliness but whatever her womanly charms and um she really wants to make her him her husband and it literally takes um the gods intervene and say you have to let him go like, he has a destiny to fulfill. Also, he doesn't want to be here in Club Sosa, but I want him. Yeah, she's much more of, like, a captor and, like, a temptress. But then that's, like, all that Odysseus has, right? Like, he has Cersei who captured him and kept him. Like, all these women who are, like, True. seducing him and trapping him. Like, ugh, whatever. But also, like, you know, who's the common denominator? <laughs> right? Maybe it's you who's toxic, Odysseus. <laughs> Maybe Penelope's, like, having a good time without you. I mean, she's I'd not, hope that but, for her. Know, yeah. Yeah. Also, oh, like, Penelope. Percy's like, why are you sad? You seem sad all the time. Like, you're the first person she's ever seen in a thousand years, Percy. Like, leave her alone. Like, she's <laughs> obviously sad. Of course she's sad. I also think it's interesting because it also plays into this idea of Percy realizing that 
maybe he's he shouldn't blindly be following or persecuting people based off of who their parents are, who their allegiance is. True. And yeah. you see that again when we get to their arena as well, because just because you're like a child of a god or on the god side doesn't really mean you're a good person. Yeah, and that's kind of like a thread that's pulled through the next book too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's like the reason, that, again, that Percy wins over Kronos is because he can see that and he uses it to his advantage to try to fix and remedy that. Whereas Kronos is just like, crush and destroy. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, there's that. Those are the, ch- I think, the chunkiest chapters, mostly because I think they're the most iconic ones. Yeah, in this true. Book. I know that there's like a whole battle scene and stuff that comes later, but these chapters stood out the most. Like, when I think about this book, I think about these two chapters. Honestly, same, yeah. I think about, like, the Mount St. Helens and Calypso. I don't even think about the battle. I mean, I think about the labyrinth, but not the battle part. No. So, only half of the title there. Yeah, yeah, half of it. Okay, I've got a couple of lightning bolt round questions for you. My first one... Would you ever go on a trivia game show in which one? Or just a game show in general. Doesn't have to be trivia. No, because my my knowledge is super specific. I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of general knowledge and I don't want like I do have general knowledge, but when someone asks me for example, I'm really bad at geography. If someone was to ask me like <laughs> where a capital is or like what state is what i would get it wrong and do you know how embarrassing that would be to me personally (laughs) that's valid yeah yeah i don't know if i'd go on a trivia show to be honest because i think my knowledge is also specific and like i would get really really angry if i didn't get it right yeah like i would not i would make a fool of myself but I've always wanted to go on one of those, like, they're not trivia shows. You know, like, that slippery, that Japanese slippery sh- slide show? <laughs> Where they all wear the colored suits and they try to climb up the, like, slide that's, like, covered in some slippery goo. No! <laughs> oh my gosh, you gotta watch videos. It's so fun. It kind of is like you're rooting for, like, the little guy dressed in yellow or, like, uh, it's so fun. You, like, basically just, like, and they all just fall down this slide. I've seen the Japanese game show, like, at least mm-hmm. clips of it, where they have to figure out if something's edible or not, like, if it's made out of <laughs> yeah. chocolate. Yeah. They have way better game shows there than Yeah, because they're willing America to try anything. Has. America's like, can you survive in the wilderness? How about if you're naked? <laughs> <laughs> and afraid. <laughs> There's their two flavors. Or yeah. you're stuck on an island, or you have to find love. Or you're stuck on an island oh, yeah. and have to find love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Those are, the, those are the themes of any American, like, the show. The four flavors. Find love, get naked, be in danger. <laughs> my next question is, if you had access to Hephaestus's forge for a day, what would you build? Oh my god, I don't even know. I know, actually, right? no. I saw a picture, I know it's like an old picture on the internet, but it's like a 16th century, um ring that f- opens oh. up to be like an a, like an astron uh, what is mm-hmm. it astronomical astrological i think astrological like depiction of like stars oh. so it's like becomes almost circular so it just like opens up and then closes again i would want that i really want a ring that just like opens and i could play with oh that'd be so cool yeah 
Also, it's something I could, like, keep on me, and also it's, like, no one's gonna try to, like, it's a ring, so, like, no one's gonna try to steal it because it's, like, the weapon Mm. with power or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I was just thinking of building one of those secret rooms with a bookcase, you know, when you you take the book out. Yeah. Yeah. That's the goal one day. I just thought it was be more, like, I guess rooms and stuff. I would just build a house then. That would be so cool. I don't know. Or, like, a library. Yeah, right? I don't know. I can't think of a fun gadget, so I was just like, a secret room. (laughs) Or like an iPhone that never loses battery charge. (laughs) I feel like Hephaestus would lose his mind on, like, fidget spinners. Like, he would be like, this is the greatest invention ever. He'd make some really cool fidget spinners. Mm -hmm. Oh, that'd be cool. Okay, my last question. What would you do if you were stuck on an island forever like Calypso? Like, what would you, how would you, like, decorate it? What would you spend your days doing? Because she makes it into, like, cottagecore gardening life. What would you do? I definitely would do cottagecore as well. I think a lot of gardening, a lot of just, like, growing my own things, and I guess reading. I don't know if she's allowed to get new literature or if she just can only consume the things that she writes herself. (laughs) She writes her own books, oh no. I definitely need a little bit of chaos and adventure, though, so maybe, like, building things that, like, help create waves so I can do some surfing. I don't know. I need some physical activities that isn't gardening, and I don't know you how could, to like, make that. You could, like, make a roller coaster. Yeah, I was just mm-hmm. thinking that. I need a little bit of an adrenaline rush. Throwback to Cersei's Island in the mm-hmm. second movie. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It's like a theme park. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, Cersei World or something? I don't know. I don't want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) My main idea was that if I was, I feel like she needs, Calypso needs to branch out a little. She's been there for a long time and she only has her like little garden. I would, um, because I would go crazy if I did the same thing every day. So I would build different sections themed. I think that it would be, I'd have like a, I'd have like a Beauty and the Beast-esque library room area. I'd have like a beach house on my island at the beach. (laughs) And then I'd have like, the most exciting idea I came up with is that I would want to build a haunted house because I'd get lonely. And so I'd want to build a house that could attract ghosts. So then I'd have friends. Why aren't there like invisible servants that are helping her clean up anyway? Yeah. But if I made a house that was, like, spooky, it would, like, kind of make it fun, you know? Just like, it would add some... a little bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd add some adrenaline into my life. <laughs> you know, I'm building... This is... I mean, this is my, like, forever and ever and ever home. I might as well have a haunted one. <laughs> <laughs> and for when I'm feeling especially, like, crazy about being stuck on the island, I'd go to that place and just, like, walk in circles. In a so dr- just, in like, like a gown. Em- embrace the crazy. Yeah, exactly. And then mm-hmm. I'd be get over it and go back to my library room. <laughs> and then when the cycle restarts, you just go back over there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's great. <laughs> Alright, well those are all my questions. Um, next week we are going to do chapters 13 through 15, which means... Our favorite redhead's coming back. We're getting some great Jealous Annabeth moments that I'm excited for. Love it. Give some spice to Annabeth. I mean, honestly, like, make her show emotions for Percy that isn't just discussed constantly. Yeah. 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 I'm ready for it. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We post our lightning bolt questions, and we love all of your guys' responses. It's so much fun. So that's 
at Camp Half Pod on all socials. Amazing. And be sure to email us if you have any comments, questions, anything. CampHalfPod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen. Woo!